A job is like a person, right? You meet somebody in LKG, become great friends with that person. It doesn't mean you're going to be friends with that same person in 12th standard. In school, my friends used to run away whenever they saw me approaching after watching a film because they knew I'd be like talking about it for two hours. The most important thing for anything is a work ethic. You could be the most genius wordplay writer, whatever, you know, screenplay, but unless you have a work ethic where you sit down every day and do something, it's never going to be consistent. Hello, hello. This is another episode of the Unconventional Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people who have taken unique paths in their lives and careers. This is Girish. And this is Gaurav. Today, we bring you an episode with Bhardwaj Rangan, who is widely considered one of India's finest film writers and is a recipient of the National Award for Best Film Critique. He serves as an editor at Film Companion, an online platform for entertainment journalism. But that's not where he started. Bharadwaj has an engineering degree. He graduated from Bits Pilani and one of his earliest jobs was as an IT consultant. His passion for cinema and writing drove him to post film reviews on the internet and from there he started a career in film journalism with the New Indian Express before becoming a deputy editor at The Hindu. His blog continues to be one of the most popular places on the internet for fans of Indian cinema. It's like the first thing I personally do after I watch a film. I go home and then I see if Bharadwaj's blog has a post about that film. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't make it to this conversation, but Girish and Bhardwaj talk about how Bhardwaj pulled off his hard pivot from traditional engineering career to one in arts, how he dealt with family and friends who said film writing couldn't be a real job, and how he deals with change as film journalism switches from print medium to one that's almost entirely online and on YouTube. So now, on to the show. Hey Bharadwaj, welcome to the show. Such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much uh, and I'm glad we could finally do this. Yeah. So I wanted to start off by asking you, I think it's been 18 years now, right, as a film critic. And you said before that you had no idea your life was going to revolve around cinema one day. So how did this vocation or this job find you? You know, I was always interested in cinema and I was always interested in writing. I just didn't know how to put the two of it together because, you know, I was born in the 70s and I think even today it's true, but that you pretty much get pushed into the sea of engineering and then you pretty much, because, you know, that's like a safe option and all your parents want you to do that so that you have a degree and things like that. So you get pushed into that and then the deeper you get into that, the, the more you kind of find it difficult to get outside. So, you know, I kept trying. I went into advertising. I went into a bunch of other things. Then finally, I ended up in a software job and finally I said, see, listen, this is way too random and unless I start, like, I give this a serious shot, I'm probably ne- never going to make it. Yeah. And uh, like many people say, and I've heard many people this, I'm very, love reading about the journeys of other people, you know, like, because, you know, every journey is such a special journey and their motivation. And most of them say that, you know, today when I look back, I don't know if I would have taken the risk because, you know, it just seems so, you know, like such a leap into the abyss kind of thing. And that's exactly my thing today. Today, when I look back, I'm like, oh, my God, I had this fantastic, secure job, everything, you know, the proverbial Gadi Bangla, whatever in the US yeah. and all that. And then suddenly, you know, I'm just like 
like ditching everything and coming back and hoping to make it than the fact that I'm speaking to you now it feels half my doing and and half just something that just worked out I don't know so yeah things clicked yeah. right and, and things right clicked. things happened at the and right I, time. and I always believe in this thing you know whether not to get too philosophical or something like that but uh, I always believe in uh, you know some people call it luck some people call it destiny some people call it god but but uh, I like to think of this as being at the right place at the right time the time that I left my job and started doing this was, was when blogs were really taking off so you could write longer detailed reviews and you had the space for them because newspapers didn't have the space for them and yeah. you could find audiences from across the world and uh, of course i didn't all this was not part of my plan right it just was there and that became a thing right when the blogging whole uh, blogging space was taking off and heating up for the first time first time yeah yeah you still had a full time job right when you started to blog is that right no i was doing a bits and pieces of writing all over because once i came back to india i didn't have a full time job because everybody said things like uh, why don't you take up a full time job and do this as a hobby but like i was trying to do this as a full time job and at that time you know you come from a typical kind of family where everybody's either an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever or whatever and a film journalist is literally unheard of a journalist right. who writes about films and uh, they everyone thought i was going to be writing about ex is having an affair with y you know that kind of stuff yeah. because they just didn't have a clue that that film journalism is a serious thing and it took a lot of uh, you know so so today when when people tell me you know did getting the national award make you happy for best film critic i say actually it didn't do i felt happier for the people around me because finally they felt oh you know what maybe there is something to this because it's a legit thing it's not some right. crackpot crackpot thing that he's doing you know because there actually seems to be some some kind of recognition and stuff like that that go with it yeah i definitely want to touch upon about that national award piece in a bit as well but i also wanted to understand so you were trying all kinds of writing and then you were drawn to cinema and i guess you started writing about cinema these long form pieces online and your reviews really stood out for their depth of analysis at least that was the thing that really struck me when i started reading them it wasn't the typical type of review that you found online or even in quote unquote legitimate sources like the hindu right those reviews were typically like three stars watch this ones or yeah. five stars yeah. the actors are great did that come to you naturally from a young age is that just how you approached cinema or is that something you taught yourself and realized there was maybe an opening for this type of writing about cinema and then you went in that direction intentionally i it's a bit of both actually i genuinely believe that whatever one does well comes to you naturally like if you're a singer for instance uh, it's in your dna if you're a good cricketer for instance it's in your dna if you're like whatever it is i i do believe that these things can be honed by practice and training and all that but i think the existence of it itself is part of what it is so right from a very young age when i was watching movies i used to watch it with great interest and kind of wonder why this was happening why i wonder that was happening and later i found out that that what i was really doing was kind of trying to get a grip on character and screenplay arcs and things like that mm. but then that would happen and then once i discovered the great american critics and the way they wrote i think it became easier because see i didn't invent the way i write i basically brought that to indian cinema or tamil cinema that's it. that's what it is so when when you read that whole generation of uh, pauline kael and andrew saris and all those people you know you kind of see how personal the reviews are how deep analytical they are and, and i think it's very strange that we're having this conversation now because today 
we are at an at an age where nobody reads you know we're in a video era so it kind of feels strange to kind of have this conversation about my writing now when i'm doing more video than actual writing because you know because that's what people want how do you do you do that by the way so from the time you reviewed your first film i think might have been dumb in 2003 and going from a blog to being in print with a newspaper and then writing for an online media house now right uh, and then teaching a class on films doing video reviews interviews you've evolved a lot with the times and your job today is probably very different from the one you thought you were signing up for 18 years ago is that how do you keep up with the tri- with the times how do you do you intentionally look out for these trends and then update yourself as you go along gain these new skills how have you approached that the evolution itself was not something that was hugely calculated but i would say that sometimes you have to kind of understand that listen i can if i want to really write about something i can always write about it on my blog but right. what is the professional aspect of criticism or rather how i'm putting out my criticism or my analysis that shape or form has to be relevant that shape or right. form has to be something that many people consume rather than just like a few because today if i write a 2000 word review uh, if i say the same thing in a 6 minute video the 6 minute video would get 100 times more traction than the 2000 word sure. review you know it's it's, a, it's, right. it's as simple as that yeah so you give the market what it wants essentially right but are you also doing for yourself what you love because you got into this you mentioned because of your love for writing yeah you write a lot less today so that is a departure from what got you into this game in the first place but is, does it feel that way or does it still feel like you within that you've captured an aspect of what you truly love so now i've come to a place where i'm working on a bunch of screenplays so i'm still writing i'm writing for the love of writing finally so that's actually keeping me alive in that sense but in terms of the work the video is what i concentrate on because that's kind of what that goes away is yeah i wouldn't call it a sacrifice exactly but you know when you sign up for a job i think one thing you have to be aware of is that a job is like a person right you meet somebody in lkg you become great friends with that person it doesn't mean you're going to be friends with that same person in 12th standard because your you've changed yeah. that person has changed you can't just say oh we were such good friends in lkg now we are so far apart or so distant or whatever it happens all the time yeah. people change you know so jobs are like that you know the, the media changes the consumption patterns change i would say i'm very lucky that i started my career pre social media because the number of voices there were fewer once social yeah. media opened up and made it more democratic which is great it's become so much more difficult to get noticed because there's just such a flood of people writing that it's become really difficult to kind of yeah whereas when i started it was just like me rata sen jayarjun singh a bunch of us trisha gupta maybe just like a bunch of us like literally writing seriously about films is what i'm talk about there were literally about right. five or six of us that's that's all so going back in time a little bit to the time when you were starting out as a film critic when that wasn't really an established job function right and maybe it wasn't even clear that the market trend was going in that way how did you deal with the naysayers all the people saying hey no this can't be a career oh my god why did you come back you had the software job oh it was very tough it was almost like i had to literally shut myself in a room or something like that because you know it, it was like 
people would keep mumbling and murmuring about you know yeah i understand creativity why can't you do this like a hobby why don't you do this like what is this job and this and that and all that and of course it's coming from a place of concern but it's also coming from a place of not understanding what someone is trying to do and i think uh, indian families especially tend to not like they want that sense of security and when they don't yeah. see that security in a job because they know nothing about it then you know you're kind of a thing so the naysayers were a big thing but fortunately i had very good editors at the beginning and uh, they were very encouraging and i think uh, they helped me a lot in terms of finding my voice and things like that so that was the cc because the thing is anything let's say you want to become a filmmaker right like i'm talking literally about you you want to quit your yeah. job and become a filmmaker now you don't want to do podcast anymore you've had enough you don't want to do your regular corporate job you want to become a filmmaker now at the back of your mind you already know that there's a 50% chance it may work out there's a 50% chance it may not work out but what you do is you block out the 50% it may not work out and try to give it the best that you can and say listen this is what i'm going to try and do because if you keep thinking about what may not happen i feel that you shut out a lot of what are the possibilities that you have because you've already taken this big risk you've already taken this leap and said i'm going to try and do this so then you just put your blinkers on and say i'm going to try my best to make this happen because after that if you're still going to keep listening to naysayers and trying to you know justify everybody so i always think there is a bit of uh, i don't know if this is the right word but there is a bit of selfishness involved in this because you're kind of basically saying i need this my internal wiring needs the satisfaction you know i'm sorry but i have to do this despite the fact that maybe all of you are unhappy and that's a very un indian thing right because in yeah. india we are kind of conditioned to make everyone it's a community a community thing and we suppose you're not supposed to think about yourself you're supposed to think about like a job that will make everybody like safe and this and that and all that kind of stuff what if it doesn't work out and all that but i'm like so i always tell people that there is a again selfish not in the bad way but that self centeredness or that that recognizing yeah. that my individual needs are as important as you know my need to be there for others and i think you know that a lot of that came from my 7 years in the us because before that i was in india and like we are all sheep right in a way there are very very few people that kind mm-hmm. of today it's a little different of course because today there's a lot more exposure and all that but i'm talking about like i don't know 80s 90s you know in fact uh, so i think that that's where this whole that core of listen boss i don't care what you think but i need to do this i need to give this a shot i'm going to do this and i just said that and then i shot people up for a while and said listen give me some time i can't keep doing this if you're just going to keep doing this nay saying all the time so you were very confident internally then that this is the right thing for you you had no doubts at all that aside from these doubts raised by others internally i'm curious you knew this could work this could not work out but you knew that this is what you wanted to do at that moment in time yes exactly i knew uh, this is what i wanted to do of course i had no idea whether it would work out or not yeah but there are so many things you could do right even within writing just really curious how you you pick one and stick to it when there is a large especially once you step out essentially the defined path of a corporate life where you know what that next thing is going to look like somewhat right but you step out of it and then now you're essentially freelancing or you get you're defining your own career you're an entrepreneur for yourself and for your career there are so many things you could do you could write ad, ad films like like you said you'd done you could have written documentaries traveled become a travel writer really a plethora of different options 
how did you decide upon this and how did you know that this was the one that that you just wanted to go all in for because of my love for films and writing that's all okay because i love films and i love writing and i've always been the kind of person even in school my friends used to run away whenever they saw me approaching after watching a film because they knew i'd be like talking about it for 2 hours and they'd just okay. be like uh, <laughs> hey that was a great film or whatever it is and you know so it's like uh, i still remember you know from the days of writing i used to write what is it called fool's cap paper uh yeah. some, some the long sheets i right, used to write right. reams and reams of stuff on the movies that i saw that would just be that this is in the, my college days wow and uh, you know so that i don't forget and i would i would just like write about it and uh, i still have some of that stuff I, I, one of my projects is to kind of dig it all out scan it and put it out my blog so you'll know that the evolution of of the writer right the evolution uh, of the writer and how terrible i was and you know this is like <laughs> uh, uh, so i think that's something that that i knew that i wanted to do talk about films talk and writing and that went together but okay. but of course in that journey because you know film writing wasn't paying much earlier i was writing about all kinds of things i was doing travel writing i was writing for a magazine okay. called sourcing hardware where i'd actually write about you know procuring cement tiles and things like that because the basic point is that <laughs> okay. you need money right and a sure, one yeah. one review would be like would pay you some 500 bucks or something like that so if there are four films in a you know month that's basically 2000 bucks you know what do you do for the rest so i was kind of doing that but then once the indian express happened and the hindu happened and once i got into you know like a proper like a job job kind of situation that things changed yeah got it and the national film award helped that as well i was going to ask i think you've mentioned that it helped your family get convinced that this is a legitimate vocation yeah and probably helped you know confer i guess like to some degree that that air of legitimacy around the whole career path that you chosen for yourself yeah i've never figured this out why but because there have been film critics that have won the national award before me for film criticism but for some reason a lot of people got to know that an award for this aspect existed after i won it it just became this this whole uh thing so it's almost like you know people thought that you know i'm the, i'm the only guy who got it or something like that that's which is not true at all but sure. but there's something about it that that i don't know why but there are many many writers that have gotten before me but maybe because again because of the blog era maybe because that yeah. was when the word was spreading and all that kind of stuff and and the world was getting connected i think the fact that i got it just became this thing that everybody knew about it i don't know how to rationalize it no i think it's the blog that's how i knew about the award yeah, and i knew yeah. about it because you won it right it is actually went the other way sometimes you hear about the award first and then it confers a lot of legitimacy on the person yeah yeah but sometimes like a lot of people heard about the oscars for the first time when ar rahman had won it right in in india and in some some parts of india yeah but then it actually it goes both ways it makes the award well known but it also confers legitimacy on the person it's an interesting yeah. two way relationship i wouldn't say legitimacy on the person i would say it conferred legitimacy on the profession so it's really the equivalent of a of maybe a promotion perhaps right in a corporate job where you know you're hitting these milestones which don't really exist when you pick these alternative career paths but this tells you that hey this person has done something i guess right right and there's external validation yeah see and today it's a little bit different because you know people say at the age of 18 they just say i want to become a wildlife photographer and things like that i wanted to touch briefly upon uh, failure as a subject so once you picked this career path have there been moments that you would consider failures or moments when it felt like you could have just gone a different way but you chose not to and that's kind of how you ended up here 
I don't know if you consider this a failure, but for example, you I think screen wrote Kadal to Kalyanam, right? A film that was written, shot, produced, and then never released. Yeah. And so there have been perhaps disappointments along the way. And how how do you think about those? For me, that was one of the best experiences ever because it first showed me how much I actually would enjoy screenwriting. I got into it because I I actually wanted to get into a sense of the process because I was like, okay, I'm writing about this field. The more I know about it, the better it's going to be for me to kind of write about it, right? Oh, interesting. So you actually took it up to for it to feed back into film criticism. Yeah, that was still the core. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because like I'm talking so much about screenwriting, but what is screenwriting actually? And then once you do that, you realize that a lot of what you call screenwriting, you know, is dictated by so many other things. So that kind of thing was there. But I enjoyed the process tremendously. I wrote it with Milind, who later made Awal, and I had a a great time. And unfortunately, the movie company that made it, Mirchi Movies, they were not great at handling the Tamil market because they were trying to do it in a very corporate way. And the Tamil film market is not really a very structured corporate kind of way. And um, I think they finally decided that whatever, they were not getting the price they wanted or whatever it was, but it was like, uh, it's it's done, it's complete, but it's considered, I think they wrote it off or something like that. So that was, you know, I'm generally a fairly Zen person, you know, it's like, uh, for me, I know this is sounding very, you know, like too Zen for words, but for me, what is really important is the process rather than the outcome. Because the process is under my control and I enjoy the process. I have no way of saying whether this is actually going to end up, forget ending up being released. I don't even know if this is a screenplay that's going to be used because the actor might, the big star might come in and say, no, 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 change the scene, change that scene. And then they might hire another writer and, and end up changing a whole bunch of things. So I really believe that if you want to enjoy your job, you have to enjoy the process. You have to enjoy the doing itself rather than the end result of it. And because I enjoyed the process so much, I would never call K2K a failure. Though there have been other failures, definitely. You know, it is a failure in a way, like you're right, because it's a product that doesn't make it to the market is a failed product in a way. So that's definitely there. It's also more gratifying in a way because as a critic you're always reacting to somebody else's work whereas this is literally your own creation i really love that actually you enjoy the parts of the process that are within your control which in this case was the screenwriting aspect of the film and you try and stay as zen as possible about the outcome which is a lot less in your control a lot of things have to fall in place for that yeah yeah because the point is that that with that's true of anything in life right it's like you have to enjoy the doing because I know a lot of people who get very impatient while screenwriting because they want the finished product so that they can go directing. And I'm like, this is a slow process. You have to like the days that where nothing happens as much as the days where you crack five scenes. Like, I'm not saying that, that I'm so zen that I'm not going to feel a little bummed about it. But what I'm saying is that you have to acknowledge that this is the process and enjoy that process as much as I can. So, yeah. As you've gone along this way, like, have there been moments when you felt like you could have done something else or do you have any regrets? And how do you deal with that? Like the opportunity cost of seeing the colleagues that you had and I don't know, in your software job going on to do something else in life. Or I, I, I guess you also worked with Samant Subramanian and he wrote this amazing book about Sri Lanka, a beautiful book. People who have gone on to do other things with their craft or with their careers. 
Do you ever compare yourself to others, or do you ever think about the opportunity cost of of the choices you've made? No, but Samant was always on that path, right? So he wanted okay. that, and he went after that, and he got that. And I was always after this path. And you know, there have been people who've asked me things like, "Don't you get bored writing about movies?" And I always ask them. It's like asking a political writer, "Don't you get bored writing about politics?" It's it's. Yeah. I mean, that's your beat. You like the beat, which is why you've chosen it, right? Right. I wouldn't say regrets as such, but I I do wish that I had known. Like today, when I tell people, because from the outside it seems like a fairly fun and glamorous career, but it's also a treadmill because reviews are byline. Uh, you know, when your byline becomes the thing, as opposed to you being part of an engineering team or something like that, where you can slack off a couple of days and it can still be okay because somebody else is going to pick up. you know and then the team is going to be the same crafted here everything depends on you like if you have one bad day and you give one bad review that's going to fall on you and you alone because that's your byline out there right you really have to put yourself out there and be comfortable with both the praise that comes your way and the the bricks that are inevitable like yeah and they're well. inevitable because um, the point is that see you just like you are pointing out things that work for you and don't work for you in somebody else's work you've got to be comfortable with the fact that others are going to you know point out things that work for them and don't work for them in your own work otherwise that's very hypocritical right okay yeah no that's that's wonderful so this brings us close to the end of this conversation we like to usually end with a series of rapid fire questions oh, so god. feel free to get into no 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 no, no. the oh god was because when somebody suddenly forces you to think you're like oh my god it's like you just your brain freeze happens and anyway let me let's go sure yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i i know what that's like because one of the guests actually turned the questions back on me and i literally had no answer <laughs> hopefully you don't do that we'll yeah, see yeah Cool. So I heard that you have a lot of daily habits. So you try and read at least ten pages a day. Write at least five hundred words a day. What are some other daily habits you've built to be disciplined and productive? No, that's basically it. It's like uh, I do believe that writing, you know, it's like oiling, keeping your brain oiled. It's like when I watch a movie and I start to write points for a review or whatever. I can't keep ten days between, you know, various things. So I have to keep that thing oiled. It's like gym for the mind. Right, or playing a musical instrument, right? You yeah, yeah, yeah. And day. and I don't know, you know, when I say it, people find it strange, but then when you look at like a violinist, they would be practicing ten hours a day, you know. So I'm writing five hundred words a day because, or trying to write a screenplay or one scene a day or something like that. I mean, I would assume that that would be part of the territory. But when you say that, some of people yeah. think you're being very pretentious. But I don't know because it's mm. just writing. It's it's like the point is to get to a point where you can just turn on the tap and. and i've always said this to many people it's like you will never be able to do great job every single time but if you are a professional then even your worst should be of a certain quality i'll tell you something that you know i'm no genius at all but i love this quote by albert einstein which says genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration it's one of my favorite quotes because the most important thing for anything is a work ethic you could be the most genius wordplay writer whatever you know screenplay but unless you have a work ethic where you sit down every day and do something it's never going to be consistent work ethic is for me the most most important thing that yeah. anybody can do and and i look for this even with my hires it's like if you gave me a guy with a good work ethic but who's not as great writer but a fantastic writer but a guy with a lousy work ethic 
I would always go with a farmer because work ethic is everything. You know, you're disciplined, you get things right. done on time. All that's very, very important. What would you like people to say about you when you turn 80 years old? Oh, God, uh, he didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's very different from saying you you have, you have minimum bar is still really good <laughs> that's a long way away from that but why do you want I mean I'm hopefully structuring my career in a way that that I'll still be doing stuff while I'm 80 I, you know like uh, you know I don't okay. think you know it's so difficult to have a consistent view of anything like for example the reason you're interviewing me is because you find me interested as a writer and as a critic there are an equal number of people who think I'm a bad writer, I'm a bad critic. So, you know, these things are not measurable things. They are not scientifically sure. measurable things. So, yeah, I'll be very happy with, well, okay, he didn't suck. So. Okay. <laughs> cool. What's a book that you gifted the most? There is this book called Conversations. It's a conversation between Michael Ondaatje, who wrote The English Patient, and Walter Murch, who is the editor, sound designer of films like Godfather and Apocalypse Now. For me, it's the most philosophical book on art. And I always say that filmmaking is just one aspect of art, right? It's like here they talk about editing, they talk about sound design, they talk about painting, they talk about every damn thing. And it's, it's for me one of the, it really was one of the most eye-opening books that I ever read about art. Earlier on in this conversation, you'd mentioned you like reading about other people's journeys. Yeah. Who's influenced you the most? That's tough. Because, you know, there are so many people that have done so many things. Uh -huh. But I'm really amazed by people like, let's say, Steve Jobs, who it's almost like there's a divine force inside them that tells, I'm on the right track, I'm going to do this. You know, they, they don't seem to have doubts at all. They just seem to say, okay, I'm going to do this and this is what people want and I'm sure this will work. And there's something like very at once terrifying and inspiring about someone like that. It's a thing. But I'm equally, you know, impressed by people who just write well. Like, for example, you know, I say, I, I like to say I read Gabriel Garcia Marquez, but am I really reading him? I'm reading his English translator. So True. I don't know what Gabriel Garcia Marquez actually sounds like. I only know what his English translator sounds like. So... So there are so many layers that I'm also inspired by that English translator who has made this Latin American author so famous that they speak of Marquez has become like Shakespeare, a one word. It's like a mononym almost. You don't have to say Gabriel Garcia, just yeah. like you don't have to say William before Shakespeare. But all this has become possible because of that translator that nine out of 10 people won't be able to name. So that's very right. inspiring for me as well to kind of, you know, do these invisible anonymous, thankless almost jobs, but for the yeah. sake of your passion for literature or for keeping a tradition alive. I'm very inspired by people like right. that as well. Oh, like ghostwriters, for example, too, right? Yeah, Fall yeah. into that category. Yeah, cool. If you could do a different job, is there anything you'd want to do? Um, no, I don't think so. Because huh. I always say that, you know, every time somebody says you're such a wonderful critic, I always say that's also because... I'm a terrible cook, I'm a lousy X, I'm a lousy Y. <laughs> so there's like, there's, there's so many, uh, you know, things in life that you, you suck at, right? I mean, you happen to be good at one thing. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm realistic enough to know what I can do and what I cannot do. I would not try anything else. But in an imaginary world, if I could uh, be something, then I would probably be a a music composer. I something about that wow, is, okay. is something that really appeals to me because I love music as well. So I just 
being able to compose would be something that I would really enjoy. But yeah, but right mm-hmm. now I have to, don't have the skills. Yeah, you know that adds up because your interviews with musicians tend to be really, really in depth, right? You really go into the details, and it's it's wonderful to see that. That also because of your I learned music, so you know there's a certain amount of and there's an interest in it. So again, with music, you know, it's not like I just. randomly listen to the song or the tune i really get into the lyrics and i i kind of get into that but it's really just these two things music and movies it's like literally these two things you know you are you ask me to make uh, the kitchen i can boil an egg is about it this is not really a different career but this is something i do hope to see more of from you these longer form pieces that you used to write i think your piece on vikram and caravan uh, your interviews with tamare bombay jayshree people aren't commissioning those anymore i see That's Let's also see. there. See, it's like, like, see, the thing is also become <laughs> that people don't commission those anymore. And the other important thing is, when I did the Vikram piece, it took me about six months. Wow. Okay. It took me about six months. We did the caravans that kind of, you know, where they we go back and forth, back and forth. Okay. You know, this is needed. The number of interviews that I did today, I doubt I would be able to devote six months to a single piece. Uh, again, it's not a complaint, but you know, things change. And when people sure. say that. oh you used to be this you used to be that well everything used to be a little slower right the world uh, now you know everything's become faster so for me being relevant is very important for me like the fact that whether people like me or hate me the fact that they feel that my opinion matters that's important i see and i think that is whichever shape or form i think that is what i will push it might get less of a burst at the beginning but i do think there is a certain quality to these timeless pieces that they they last a little bit longer 100% right? 100% they yeah. might get you that return yeah no my so my main thing is not so much as that as so much as with the time you're given it becomes very difficult to write those pieces right. and believe me i used to love that process you know uh for me one of my favorite processes was transcribing so For example, when I wrote the Tamarai piece or the Maniratnam book or whatever it is, either the tapes or the the recordings, and I would actually pause, write, pause, write, pause, write, and I used to enjoy because the thing is, you know, you're actually now realizing what the con because when you're in a conversation, it's a little abstract because you're going back and forth with them. It's only when you now you're outside the conversation, and uh, you're actually making sense of it and kind of trying to. put it into the best shape yeah. possible i miss those days but well you know those days are gone so it's a craft to it yeah yeah, yeah. So. and i mean i loved how you just found these universal human truths that go well beyond cinema well beyond even the arts right in in all of these pieces and that's something i'd love to see to see more of so selfishly i do hope there's an opportunity to do I hope so a little too. bit more of that in yeah, the future yeah. uh-huh. cool finally what's next for you when is the next or what is the next conversations with maniratnam keep up with what you're working I on I would love to I would love to arm twist him into uh the next set of films that we, I think we stopped with Kadal if I'm not mistaken I think the he's right. made a whole bunch of movies after that so I think that we could talk about that but because right now I'm concentrating on screenplays I don't see myself writing anything immediately but hopefully something that I write might make it to screen and maybe I'll tell you one of the nicest things that happened I mean there was like when I was uh writing kadal to kalyanam and it was being edited apparently uh, this is a story that came to me second hand but i there's this person who was there whose film i had given a really bad review and uh, they asked okay so whose film is this or oh, milan's film who's written this film this new writer called mambar <laughs> tuhash tangan i believe the man literally <laughs> turned purple and he said like 
tell me when this film comes out because i'm just going to this is a really bad video <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of my favorite stories ever so <laughs> so you made some frenemies along the way <laughs> plenty plenty anything else you'd like to share before we we wrap this up uh no but i want to just uh, put this on record that thank you so much for steering this conversation on a i don't know what word i would want to use but on a slightly higher plane than just what you do because i really kind of enjoyed having this conversation about not just the writing or the process itself but what it means and and what is the takeaway and things like that so thank you so much for that oh thank you the pleasure was all mine i learned a lot from this conversation for sure and thanks again for taking the time to chat with us yeah. appreciate it thank you so much We hope you enjoyed the show. You can now subscribe to us via Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find links for your podcast player at anchor.fm/unconventional-podcast. And if you'd like to reach out to us, please do so at hellounconventional@gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.